<laughs> Heather, you know what's great about what you said? Is that you said that, Heather, you know, you said that uh, this week when they show up to the Revelation class, that if they have any questions, you'll be the teacher in the class. Yeah, you'll be answering all the questions. I love it. Good morning. You good? Wondering what the props are all about, aren't you? Come on. This, uh, this week I've been working on my, what I'm calling the end line, or the end time timeline. Say that with me. End time timeline. Well, say it like you mean it. End time timeline. Let me tell you this. So uh, the great news about this end time timeline is that uh, you need to know it yourself. You got to figure it out. How many of you have ever wondered how things are going to unfold in the end times? Right? How many think Hollywood's been trying to tell you this for a long time? <laughs> right? You know, the zombie apocalypse. I'm going to let you know a little secret. It ain't going to unfold like that. Right? There's a whole nother thing coming. I'm excited this morning. We've been spending three weeks in the book of Revelation talking about what the revelation of God is all about. Hey, welcome, guys. You have your little baby with you? Look at that. Welcome for the first time. Yay. John and Diana, there you go. What's your baby's name again? Eliza. Eliza. Beautiful. Try to keep my props straight here. You're wondering what they say, don't you? What this is right here, you know what this is? This is the end time timeline. This is, this is how it's going to unfold, right? Uncross your arms, man. <laughs> I'm excited about this. I have spent so much time, probably more time studying on a sermon than I have studied in a long time. I study every week. My brain's out. I pray. I seek the heart of Jesus. I talk to smart people. I do everything I can, but I'll tell you this. I'm so excited to share with you what I believe the Bible talks to us about, about this end-time narrative playing out. I want to make sure that you have a good grip on it, right? Because here's one thing I can tell you. The end is going to happen. Amen? Whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. How you think it's going to play out doesn't matter. It's going to happen at some point. My job today is to give you what I think is my opinion on this idea. Now, at the end of the day, you're going to stand before Jesus. I'm going to stand before Jesus. And he's going to say, um, how did you come to that conclusion? Let me just let you in on a secret. If your answer is, because Lance said so. As you stand before God, can I tell you this? I do bear responsibility at what I say. And I take that as a solemn call. And it scares me to no end to think the things I say are impacting people's eternity. That scares me. But I'll tell you this. I also want to challenge you to say you are responsible for your own understanding of the end times. Say amen, somebody, right? You get to decide how this thing plays out in your own self. What does that mean? It means that you've got to study to show yourself as one who is approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed, but who correctly handles the words of truth. You get to decide that because you get to study your own Bible. You get to unpack it. Now, a couple of things we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about things and words and phrases that you maybe have never heard or perhaps you've heard and they've been in some other context. They've been somehow wrapped into a video or a movie or some phrase that we just lob out there like the, the, the millennial apocalypse or whatever the thing. I mean, can I tell you that all that stuff, let's take all of those definitions hit the pause button and tell you there's more to it than that. So, with that being said, I'll tell you, let's have some ground rules on today. 
If you agree with me on something, I want to hear you say amen. Everyone say amen. amen. If you hear something today for the first time that you've never heard of before, then say this. Wow. Try that. Wow. Wow, right? Now, and then if you disagree with something that I'm going to say, no one appears to have tomatoes but, but to throw at me, but I tell you this. If you disagree with something I say, first of all, uh, first of all, I, I know this. There is no way in 40 minutes I'm going to unpack the book of Revelations in such a clear fashion that it will change your life completely. I'm doing my best to try to unpack it for you to go wet your tongue to go look it up yourself. All right? So, uh, and by the way, there are men and women who have bloodied hillsides and fields throughout centuries who have disagreed and agreed on things that I'm about to say today. I'm going to give you my best understanding of what I believe the Bible says about this thing. So if you disagree with me on something, remember, if you agree, amen, if it's the first time you've heard it, wow. If you disagree, here's what I want you to say. I want you to say what my son says to me today when he, when he doesn't agree. When my son, who's 26, I say something to him and he doesn't agree, here's what he says. Interesting. I'll tell him something to go, huh, interesting. Try that, interesting. There you go. So if you disagree, just interesting, right? That can happen. It's okay. It's in bounds, right? You can go ahead and lob that out there. Here's one thing that I'm learning in this whole end time narrative. Listen to this. If you walk away with this message today with one truth, know this. God, God loves us. And if there's one thing I have discovered in the book of Revelation, you can read all the judgments and wrath and blood and kill and famine and pestilence and all that. You can read all that in the book of Revelation. But let me tell you this, at the core in the heart of it, let me tell you, the, the, the more I read the whole thing in context, here's what I come away with. God loves us so much. I mean, I'm not talking just like he likes us. But God will go to any length for us to have a relationship with him. So as we get started, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God will prepare our hearts to receive what he has for us today. Jesus, will you help us to hear what you have to say? I confess I don't have all the answers, God, but I'm going to do my best to share what I think your word is saying to us. Help me to rightly divide your word in Jesus' name. Amen. The end time timeline. I believe the end time timeline starts with what I call the church age. The church age is right here. Everybody say that with me. The church age. Listen, if you guys can't see all that down there, or you guys can't see over here, feel free to scoot in. It might be easier to see it all at one shot, but if you're good way over there. The church age. What is the church age? The church age is really from Acts 2 to you. And beyond the, the, the church age is this is this moment from from all the way back in uh, the Acts chapter two all the way up to whatever this next sign is about to say. <laughs> this church age is what we're living in. The church age was given an assignment. There, there are people who come to me periodically throughout the course of any given week who will say things to me like this, Pastor Lance. I don't know what my purpose in life is. What is my purpose in life? Can I tell you this? If you don't know what your purpose is. I'll give you an assignment until you figure it out. Here's the assignment. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18. If you forget what you're supposed to be about, if, you, if you're flying an airplane and you think, what am I doing up here? I don't think I should be flying an airplane. At least know this. <laughs> Hang on to the wheel. There's people who are probably in the back. Hang on and, and land the plane and then go do this. Matthew 28, 
Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for surely I will be with you from now until the end of the age. All authority has been given, by the way. <laughs> Literally. If you forget what you're supposed to do, teach a class. If you're sitting around going, I don't know what my purpose is. That's your purpose. Make disciples. Didn't say make Christians. He said make disciples. In other words, share your faith with someone who can share their faith with someone who can share their faith with someone. That's your purpose. That's why he put us here in this church age, right? To fall in love with him and fall in love with people. We get a chance to do that in this church age moment. The problem with too many of us is that we get so, so consumed with what the rest of these signs might say that, that, that we say, yeah, yeah, whatever, God, whatever. And do you realize that you are the light in the darkness? You, you are, what are you talking about, Lance? I'm saying this, that God filled you with his Holy Spirit. You are the hope of glory. Inside of you resides Jesus, and he wants you to share him with the world. You're the plumb line. Terry came up to me this morning and she said, Lance, you got a prophetic word. The church is the plumb line to the world. In other words, the, the, the world is looking for a rightness place. It's not looking for compromise. Because let me tell you this, if we allow the world, people who don't know Jesus, to come up with what's right and wrong, you know what we're going to end up with? Turn on your TV. If we decide that we just wanted to change it up a little bit and say, well, that's right now and it used to be wrong, but now it's right. Or that's wrong now, but it used to be what it right. Or If we do that, we're a mess. So we become the plumb line because we walk in the light as he's in the light. Now say amen. Church age. That's what he's called us to, to live it out. We got to continue doing that until the next thing happens. The next thing. I love this. The Bible says that there are, I think the book of Revelation can really be unpacked. Um, If there was a skeleton, kind of a big timeline to put everything on, uh, there are three things that I think are, 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 that come in succession that we can lay out, that we literally can hang all the rest of the book of Revelation on. That this is a skeleton I'm going to give you what I believe that happens. So, So at first, say that with me. We'll say it like you mean it. Rapture. Here we go. Say this now. The return. Right here. The reckoning sounds ominous, doesn't it? Dun, dun, dun. The reckoning, right? So there's a moment. I think that these three events in human history, our human future, are literally going to be the thing that all of the book of Revelation hangs itself upon. The book of Revelation can be read chronologically. We have to. If we read it sequentially, if we read it um, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, it'll throw you off because there's too many times in the book of Revelation where something begins to make sense based on an Old Testament scripture, based on a, on, on, on a truth that's being spoken, referencing a New Testament scripture. There's a lot of this stuff that happens over and over again that we see in the book of Revelation. There's no way I can unpack it all to you right now. Just going to give you the big chunks because I want you to read your Bibles yourself. I want you to look at it and see what God's doing. There's a word I want you to understand that has been known in church culture, church age from the Acts chapter 2 to you. It's been known for all time. It's a word, the word is imminent. Everyone say imminent. Imminent. Imminent has always been used to describe Jesus' return to the earth in the rapture. Imminent. It's imminent. Literally means this. It means that it is, uh, uh, the word imminent means to hold over your head. It's going to happen at some point. 
So there are some people back in 1830, I believe it was, that said the first time the word rapture was used, it's a newer comment, newer concept, and that it was used back in 1830, the rapture. Well, we didn't know how to describe it any better. What we used before that in the church world from Acts 2 to you was really a word imminent. It was an expectation. That's why Jesus said over and over again, I go to prepare a place for you. I'm going to my father's house. I'm going to do this thing. Be ready. Let me tell you what Jesus didn't say. I go to prepare a place for you. And and while I'm going to prepare a place for you, buckle up, it's going to get bad. He said, get ready. Why? Because I believe in an imminent return of Jesus Christ in this thing called a rapture. What is a rapture? Good question. Here we go. I see the thought bubbles are moving all over your heads. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 says this. Then I looked, then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven. The same voice I heard before spoke with me a sound of a mighty trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here. I will show you what must happen for the things to come. First Thessalonians was written by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote Thessalonians in response to a question that the people from Thessalonica had. What they were wondering is, is what happens when people die? What goes on to their humanity? See, what was going on in Thessalonica at that time were that they all remembered in the first century Jesus or somebody who knew Jesus saying, Lo, I come quickly. This is Jesus saying this. And so a lot of them were like, He's going to come back. He's going to come back. I can't wait. Jesus is going to come back. They weren't waiting for a tribulation. They were waiting for Jesus' return quickly. Imminent return. Now, as they were waiting for His imminent return, some of them started dying. And as they started dying, some of the kids or the people around them were going like, uh, what's going to happen to Aunt Sally? Because like, she's not here anymore. Is she going to miss Jesus' return? What's going to go on? Therefore, Paul writes the book of 1 Thessalonians in response to their question. Give you a little taste. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. And now, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to the Christians who have died. Who's he, who's he talking about? The Christians who have died. So you will not be full of sorrow like the people who have no hope. Verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus comes, God will bring back with Jesus all the Christians who have died. Who's coming back with Jesus when he returns in the rapture? All the Christians who have died. Wait a sec. That's kind of weird. You've never heard that before. So let me put it into context for you. Um, you as a human being, let me tell you what you're made of. Your, your body, soul, and spirit, your three parts, right? Kind of like, well, the way God made you was in the image of his Holy Spirit. You are three parts, body, soul, and spirit. The better way to understand that for me and my simple mind is this. You are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a dirt body, right? Dirt body. God made you from the earth, right? So the idea, what, what, is, what is your soul? Your soul is your thinker, everything from the neck up. Your spirit that has a soul that lives in a dirt body. You can't separate the body in and of itself uh, too long because it, the, the body, if, somebody, if we had a, a funeral service here right now, and I don't think there's anyone here named Mrs. Jones, so I'll just use it as a fictitious name. If Mrs. Jones was sitting up here in the casket and we were doing your funeral service today, there isn't one of you in the room who would come up and say like, where is the carcass? That would be heartless. Every one of you would come up and say, where's Mrs. Jones? Or we would say, Ah, there's Mrs. Jones. She's up in the casket. But you see, the Bible we read says that Jesus brings with him the people who have died. 
He doesn't say he'll bring the spirits. He says he'll bring the people. Why? Because you are spirit that has a soul that lives in a dirt body. You will be reunited with your body at some point. Why? Because you have to have a new body to get into the heaven that he's been preparing for us. Why? Because y'all got sin. Sin can't enter into glory. You got to get a new body, right? So the Bible actually says here in Thessalonians, let's go on a little further, verse 15. Am I blowing your minds yet? Verse 15, I can tell you directly from the Lord, we who are still living when the Lord returns will not rise to meet him ahead of those who are in the graves. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the call of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, everyone say first. First, all the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Why? Because the bodies need to be united with their, with their spirit, right? 17, then together with them, we who are alive and remain on earth will be caught up. That's what the word rapture means. Caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and remain with him forever. So comfort and encourage each other with these words. Again, there's lots of people who wonder if this is the next thing to happen, the rapture. There is right here the church age. Then there's what I believe is the rapture. Some people believe that the rapture is going to take place somewhere over here. And that somehow between there and here is going to be some craziness going on. Some people believe that a rapture is going to happen sometime in here. There's a, this period of time between the rapture and the return, in my opinion, is what's known as the tribulation, right? The seven-year tribulation. This is seven years. Let me tell you this. If there is one place I could not joke and be serious more than any other, it's this. This is bad. The tribulation is super bad. You, you don't want to be here. If there's a pre-rapture thing when all Christians go to Jesus and meet him in the air and we get to go up to heaven, let me tell you this. Glory. I hope that happens, right? Is it possible that this rapture moment could happen over here? Well, yeah, they're super smart people who believe that, and that's entirely possible. I, I, listen, here's the great news about reading your, your Bible. It's called the study of end times or eschatology. You guys get to choose your own. You read your Bibles and make sure it fits. The best possible scenario, in my personal opinion, and again, the last service, there were a couple of people in here that were like, hey, thanks for presenting it like you did, Lance, but I have a different view. And to that, we can agree to disagree. Amen. Amen? But I can tell you this, from my understanding... I'll be honest with you, as I started this journey of this end time timeline over these last couple of weeks, <laughs> I studied my brains out. I'll, I'll start, I'll level with you. Foursquare denomination believes in the pre-tribulation rapture. The Foursquare believes that. I'll level with you. I, I, I was kind of leaning here. I was kind of leaning, you know, that we would go through a tribulation, which I'll talk about in a minute, which was super difficult and super hard. I thought I, I was kind of leaning more here because, you know, all the trials that we go through and all the struggles and why would God do that, take us out of it and all that stuff. So, but the more I studied and the more I let Scripture interpret Scripture and the more I, I looked at the, the, what God was saying and what, more importantly, when I began to look at the difference between a trial and judgment, I began to see that this is where I'm landing. I think that he's coming back. I think it's the next thing. I think the return of Jesus is imminent. I think it's the next thing on the horizon. I think it's Jesus could come back at any moment. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, in a twinkling of an eye. Do you know how fast that is? Me neither. It is super fast. In a twinkling of an eye. Whatever that is sounds fast, right? I think Jesus is coming back. Here's what that motivates me to do. i got to share Jesus with people. 
I got to go love on lost people. I got to get my heart out of this building and go talk to Jesus, to people about Jesus. Because I, he said, am filled with his Holy Spirit, am an answer to their big problems because he put me as you and me as the light of the world. Amen? Remember, a city on a hill shouldn't bury the light under a bushel. We got to put it up high because the light inside of you is to be in this church age. This rapture moment, I believe it's something that literally Jesus is like, man, I'm telling you, you, you be ready. During this seven years tribulation, the Bible in Revelation breaks it up into two three-and-a-half-year periods. There's the first three-and-a-half years, then there's the second three-and-a-half years. In the first three-and-a-half years, lots, of ha- lots that happen. And again, super smart people agree and disagree on the outlay of what's going to happen. But during that time, there are what's called two prophets that show up on the scene. Two uh, people, evangelists, two people who are going to be just... Jesus sharing craziness, right? So imagine, a bunch of, in my opinion, a bunch of Christians, all the Christians on the planet, take off and go up into heaven, right? What are they doing up in heaven? We'll talk about that in a second. But they're up in heaven. On earth, during this tribulation, there's, there's going to be a bunch of people who don't know God. Now, there, I say judgments. There's three sets of judgments. There's the bull judgments, the horn judgments, and the scroll judgments, right? So what does that mean? Let, let's just slow the words down a little bit. Uh, my friend Terry is a judge. As a judge, she sits on a really tall chair. She has a gavel in her hand, and she says, guilty or not guilty, and smacks the hammer down, right? This isn't that. Let me tell you what judgment is in the Bible. What judgment is in the Bible is this. Judgment is declaring truth, and that's probably exactly what Terry's doing too. But this right here, I'm going to declare judgment on this thing in my hand. Right here. You know what this thing in my hand? I'm going to declare judgment. Keys. I just said it. Keys. I declare judgment. You know what I can do with this judgment? I can stand before Terry, who's a judge. And you know what she'll say? You're right. If I stood up here and said, bird, it's a bird, she would say, Lance, that thing you call truth can't stand up under scrutiny. Truth. All God's going to do is he wants us to walk in truth. Judgment's going to happen. Literally, during this seven-year period, there's going to be three sets of judgments that are going to happen. The first one, the, the, the scroll judgments, the six there are seven seals on this scroll. The Bible says when you read it that they couldn't be opened until the lamb came. And then there were some other, other judgments, the horn judgments, and then the bull, the vile judgments. Those happen. Let me tell you, the horn judgments are crazy. There's some craziness that happens. So during the seven-year period of time, there are seven years worth of people who didn't know God in their hearts, some of which could be sitting in here today who know God in their head, but won't surrender with him in their heart. Your intellectual thoughts are, yeah, he's good, but I ain't giving in, Lance. I'm not giving him myself, no way. There's going to be people who are going to listen to this online one day, or who are listening right now or watching us online, who literally like, you know what? I know intellectually what you're saying is right, but I'm not willing to give my life to it. Until this rapture happens, let me tell you, that'll make some believers. When that happens, there's going to be some believers that go like, oh boy, oh boy, I remember hearing something about that. And they're going to get saved. They're going to surrender their life to Christ and have to live out the seven years of crazy. In that time frame, there's going to be two prophets that show up. Now, there, the, the Bible says it is appointed for every man wants to die, right? So everyone's going to die. There are three people, two people in the Bible for sure that we know didn't die. There were um, Enoch and Moses. When Moses died, we don't know where he's buried. And then Elijah, right? These people, three people. So, so I can tell you this, personal opinion, I think that the two guys that come back are two of those 
three people. I think it's Moses and Elijah. And why do I say that? Because Moses and Elijah, quite frankly, can, it says during this time frame that these two prophets exist, that they have the ability to do miracles, turn water into blood, uh, cast, call down fire from heaven. Uh, there's a handful of other things that Moses and Elijah did back in the Old Testament. And so I think they're going to be back again. But it makes me wonder, like, did maybe, remember when the two guys, the two angels showed up at the tomb when Mary went back and they said, what are you doing here? And we think it was angels. What if it was Moses and Elijah then too? What if, uh, what if when the disciples were all standing around watching Jesus raise up to heaven and he said, hey, what are you doing standing here? What if Moses and Elijah was talking to them there too? I, all I know is this, that Moses, that Moses showed up at the Mount of Transfiguration. I think Elijah did too. But, but like, anyway, I don't know. All I know is two guys are going to show up and have the ability to do miraculous things, right? During this time is when the 144,000 people are going to show up. Who are they? Well, there are 144,000, 10,000 from each tribe of the 12 tribes. 12 times 12, 144,000. So there's a bunch of people who are going to end up, I think they're going to be Israelis, people who give their life to Christ, all from each of the 12 tribes. They're going to go throughout the planet sharing Jesus because, well, quite frankly, they're going to realize, holy cow, we were wrong. I don't think, I think they're going to get saved. They're going to go crazy. So two evangelists, 144,000 people and a bunch of people are going to start sharing their faith. All the while, the mark of the beast, the antichrist, craziness, the earth, the Bible says that all the, a third of the water is going to be turned into blood, a third of the air is going to be confused, they won't be able to see the stars in the heaven. Let me tell you this, you don't want to be here for that. It's going to be bad. I mean, I mean like sun boiling your skin bad. I mean like atomic bomb, craziness, fallout, drinking water, poison bad. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, you got to settle that today because I'm telling you, it is going to be bad. And I'll tell you, you do not want to be here for this moment if this is what's going to happen. Now, during this time frame here under seven years of judgment. So, so judgment, you know what I honestly think? We kind of look at the book of Revelation and we think about this tribulation and we think that it's all just God going, and just kind of putting his knife in and twisting it. Honestly, what I think it is, here's what I think God did. Is God goes, a long time ago, a friend of mine, Yvonne, gave, us, gave Polly and I a book on parenting called Parenting with Love and Logic. And it's basically about parenting your children to make right choices. And as you make right choices or wrong choices, the kid has to learn to live with their consequences. I think God does that here. I think literally he says, Earth, do you want to try to go it without me? Without my Holy Spirit on earth to give you conviction of sin? Without, you want to see what earth is going to look like without me? Seven years. Hell on earth. You don't want to be here for that. You don't want to be here for that. <laughs> During that time, there's going to be something happening in heaven sequentially. Seven years of something happening in heaven. What's going to happen? I think that's when the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to happen. I think that's when we're going to be up there, seven years of celebrating and seven years of craziness down here. So during that time, there's a moment in time when, called the judgment seat of Christ. You ever heard of the judgment seat of Christ? Everyone say judgment seat of Christ. There is in the Bible, in the Revelation, a phrase called the judgment seat of Christ. And then there's also what's called the great white throne judgment. This isn't the same thing. They're two separate things. By the way, do you realize there's two comings? There's Jesus coming in the rapture and Jesus coming in the second coming? I don't know if you realize that. This one here, the Bible says that Jesus never touches his feet on the earth. 
He just comes in the sky, and we meet him there. Here, it says he actually lands on the Mount of Olives and touches down. The Mount of Olives splits in two, and all this craziness happens. So it's good stuff. But, but right here, I can tell you this. this. This moment in time, just after the rapture, just before the tribulation starts, and this, this moment in heaven happens, this, this seven years of a marriage supper of the Lamb, there's what's called the uh, judgment seat of Christ. That's when Jesus gives us our wedding garments. That's when Jesus gives us the, the attire we're going to have when we're living in heaven. So what's, gonna hap- what's going on in heaven right now? Well, he went to prepare a place for us, a place for us. The Bible said that, right? Remember in Matthew, Jesus said, hey, don't worry, take, take peace. I go to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't true, I wouldn't tell you. He says, I'm going to prepare a place. What's he preparing for us? He's preparing a place for us. For what? I think for this time in heaven that we get to hang out with him for these seven years of this celebration. Why seven? Well, in the Jewish customs, they celebrate a wedding for seven days. In, in, in our world, we celebrate this for seven years up in heaven. Anyway, this, this, this um, um, judgment seat of Christ moment is when we stand before God. Now, the judgment seat of Christ is a good thing. This is where we, as Christians, get to stand before Jesus. By the way, you won't be able to stand before Jesus if you're not a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you won't be at the judgment seat of Christ. But because you're a Christian, here's what he's going to say. He's going to say, hey, all the things that you've done, good and bad, I'm going I'm to basically light a match to it. And that which is good will remain. That which is, is, is your own personal selfish ways, that'll just burn up. We'll make super simple work of this. He's going to light a match to all your good intentions and all your, you know, try to make God look good when really it was all about you. That stuff just gets burned up. And what remains is a crown of righteousness. I believe jewels that are going to be in that crown. And in that crown of jewels, so, so, so at the end of the crown, you get a crown. The Bible actually describes five different crowns. But for today's sake, you get a crown with jewels in it of all the things that you did right, wrong, and things that honored and blessed God. That's the only thing that you'll have in heaven of any value. Besides yourself, what are we going to do with those crowns? Run around with them and say like, woo, look at me. No, I think what we're going to do, if you continue reading the book of Revelation, what's going to happen is we're going to take those crowns off because that's the only thing of value you got. And we're going to bow down and lay it at his feet and worship to him and say, Jesus, all I've ever done, all I've ever done that's of any good, I give to you in worship. So question, because we're living right here. How's your crown looking? You do realize now's the time that you make your crown good. How's it looking? Because when you get there, this moment here, you can't go back and say, well, I woulda, shoulda, coulda. <laughs> we're right here. here. Here's one sad truth. When you get to heaven, God's going to say, hey, I told Lance to tell you. You can tell him that. Because then maybe, maybe I'll get a crown for that. No, I'm not kidding. I'm just saying like, I'm just joking. During this time, that's when the, 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 the lions and the sheep and the goats separate. There's going to be a moment in heaven that's going to be just this crazy wedding feast that happens. All the while, the, the earth, a third of the earth turns into bubbling dead carcasses in the fresh water. And bloody craziness happens in the, in, the, in the salt water. And all third of the waters of the earth destroyed. And If you've ever seen the weirdy zombie apocalypse movies, this ain't, that ain't nothing to what it's going to be. And you realize at the end of the tribulation, there are still going to be people. Literally half of the planet will be dead by then. And still people will hold their fist up at heaven with hard hearts and say, how could you? 
Do you realize the whole point of the tribulation? Isn't God breaking out his belt off his pants and just saying smack? He's not trying to get us. The whole point of the tribulation is for us to soften our hearts finally. The book of Revelation is all about saying, come on, I love you. Come on, I love you. Jesus returns, the Bible says. And as Jesus returns in this second coming, the Bible says that we will come and, and, and we, we will come back with him. In fact, it says in, in the book of Revelations, chapter 19, I'm skipping a bunch. I'm not trying to. By the way, if you want my notes, I can get them to you. Talk to Heather. I think we have some printed up for you as well. Chapter 19 of Revelation says this, verse 11. Then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. The one sitting on the horse was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly, and those uh, and, and those go to he judges fairly, and those go to war, and then goes to war. Verse twelve, his eyes were bright like flames of fire, and his on his head were many crowns. The name, that, by the way, I wonder if those crowns are ours. And his name, a name was written on him that only he knew what it meant. Verse thirteen, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his title was Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in pure white linen, follow him on white horses. Who are the armies of heaven? I think they're the angels in heaven, and I think it's us. I think we come back as part of the armies of heaven. We get to be come back on white horses. And are they literal white horses? I don't know. I, maybe they are, maybe they're not. But I think we come back with Jesus when he comes the second time to, to rule and reign. Now, what are we going to do here on this earth? Here's what I, here's what I think is going to happen. That during this time of Jesus' return, and this reckoning moment, this is the great white throne judgment. There, there's a thing that happens within this time frame right here, and it is called, say it with me, the millennial kingdom. This span of time right here, a thousand years. A thousand years worth of time. During this time, quite frankly, I don't know what's going to happen, but, but the Bible says that the devil is going to be bound. He's going to be chained and he and all of his demonic minions, whatever it is, are going to get chained and thrown into the abyss or the bottomless pit, is what some of your Bibles say. Thrown into this bottomless pit where he's there and who remains there for a thousand years. Which means if he's gone and all of his minions are gone, there's going to be some semblance of peace on earth. Yay. Amen, right? If, if, we're, if we're coming back with Jesus, something tells me we got a thousand years to do what? I don't know, maybe clean up this mess. Just a thought. But, but we got... <laughs> Kind of joking, but it's the truth. Maybe there's something about this mess that has to happen. We get to come back and rule and reign. Who are we ruling and reigning over? I got my opinions on that. I'm not exactly sure who we're ruling and reigning over. The Bible somewhere says that we rule and reign over angels. And I think, there's, I think we rule and reign over some of the people that got saved during the tribulation. There, there's gonna be, you mean to tell me, Lance, that the stuff that I'm learning today, the things that I'm learning how to walk out my faith here in the church age, all the stuff that I'm learning how to become a leader, how to uh, love my neighbor, how to care for those who are hurting, how to do all that stuff. All of this stuff is preparing you today. Everyone say today. Preparing you today for this. We get to live out this millennial king. So that means the stuff that you're doing in 2018 right here is going to somehow show up here. Uh-huh. How? I don't know. Why? Because you don't stop being you. You are you. Somehow we kind of tend to think that once we go to heaven, we get to become a new version of us. You might learn some few, a few more things. You might have a few more things under your belt, but can I tell you this? You're still you. You don't stop being you. 
I always, I always think to myself, remember when scientists tell us that we, have, we only use a little small portion of our brain? Come on. You know, scientists have told, and I'm sure some scientists say that's wrong now. But I'm, when I was in school, they told us we only used a portion of our brain. First of all, I don't think God made a mistake. I think there's lots to learn. <laughs> I think there's going to be lots that we're going to be learning and filling that bugger up with for the rest of, well, time. I think there's, or time beyond time. I think there's going to be something happen. God didn't make a mistake and give you too little of a room in your brain. I think there's a lot he's going to fill it up with over wherever. But I can tell you, during this time, we're learning about a lot of stuff. During this millennial reign, there's going to be all the, the, the demonic forces, the devil, everything's gone. And what's going to happen? I, I don't know. But I can tell you that there's all kinds of wonderful things that are going to be taking place on planet Earth because the devil's going to be gone. Amen? I, so I haven't heard anybody sit there and say, yeah, like, interesting. I see the bubbles on your head to tell me that, but I can know you're not saying it. So right here, reckoning. What is this reckoning? The reckoning is what's called the great white throne judgment, right? This, in my opinion, is when the Bible says right about here, right? The thousand years, it says after the thousand years, there's going to be a moment where the devil, get this, is brought back from the abyss and all of his crazy minions and demons all come up again, and at some point, you and me are like, why bother? Leave him there, right? He's going to bring him up for what? For this, for this final judgment. Who else is going to be judged here? All the people that didn't want to be with Jesus. All the people who don't know Jesus and have chosen not to be with Jesus because they said, I don't like you, God. All these people get judged. What is judgment? Like I said before, not like my friend Terry, judgment is just simply declaring truth. Literally, God's going to say, you didn't want me, so off with you to the lake of fire for all eternity. Right about here. Lake of fire. What does that mean? I don't know. It just sounds bad. Come on. All eternity. Lake of fire. Horrible. Yucky. Bad. Right? And then there's this new heaven and new earth, right? Going to happen. What is that? I don't know. Sounds awesome. Sounds like there's going to be something special coming. What does it mean that God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth? Well, Know this, do you realize that God made you, I heard a guy say this, he didn't make us to live in heaven. We get to live in heaven for seven years or so in this moment because he's creating a place for us for you to hang out there. But God's intention was all along when he put us in the Garden of Eden, all that was for us to live on earth in relationship with him. God's plan from the very beginning was to live on earth in relationship with him, walking in the garden, hanging out with Jesus, that literally we could be on earth with him. Amen. That was original plan. He's not chucking his original plan. He's restoring his original plan. Amen. <laughs> He's restoring it. What does it mean? Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> new heaven, new earth. Thank you. What does that mean? It means there's a new heaven and a new earth. What's it going to look like? I don't know. It's going to be way better than this. What does that mean? Ah, I can tell you this, that uh, you look, at, look at what's happened over the last, oh, I don't know, 50 years uh, in this, the sequence of the development of the telephone, right? If that can, in a couple of years, what could God do for a couple of centuries? A couple thousand centuries. I mean, what could happen? God could do anything, right? I don't know what that means. What does new heaven, new earth mean? All I know is it's going to be better than this. But he gets to be with us and we get to be with him. Now, what if you're here today and you're hung up on this one right here. You're hung up on this rapture thing. This is where I find the most division in the church today. 
This is a pre-tribulation rapture point of view. This means it's, it's, it's before the tribulation. There, there's some people that believe in a mid-tribulation rapture or partial tribulation rapture when Jesus comes at the three and a half year mark. Some people believe in what's called the post-tribulation rapture where he comes at the end of all the crud. The only problem I have with that is, like I said earlier, the difference between judgment and trial is massive. Trial is what happens when something bad happens to us and God's spirit gives you peace to remain on the earth to walk it out. Judgment is what happens when God goes like this and all hell breaks loose. You don't want to be under the wrath of God. You know, during this time, there's going to be the wrath of man, the wrath of Satan, the wrath of Jesus. It's all going to show up. It's all the stuff that's going to show up. And the wrath of Satan, all four of the wraths are going to show up here in the tribulation. It's bad. If I could just tell you one, don't do this. Here's the good news about all this stuff. There isn't anybody that I know of who disagrees that this stuff is all going to happen. The only disagreement is when it's going to happen. So here's my suggestion to you. If you're having a hard time with a pre-tribulation understanding, then, then do this, just for your own mind. Hope beyond hope that this is what's going to happen. But prepare that something like this might happen. What does that mean? That means if there's going to be a, rap or a tribulation that you're going to have to go through, well, you'd better know your Bible. <laughs> Come on. If you're going to have to go through the tribulation, you'd better have a relationship with Jesus that's firm and solid because there's going to be a lot of crazy happening going on during this tribulation time. It's not going to be fun, and you'd better know your Bible inside your heart and not be able to pull it up on your phone because you may not have that. You better know it in your heart, know it in your knower so that you can spit it out and spend it out and share it with people. It had better become a part of who you are. If this end time timeline does one thing for you, I hope it makes you fall in love with God and people. But if there's one ounce of you that this end time timeline makes you want to go buy a trailer container, bury it in North Montana in some big hole and try to decide to get all the arsenal and water and shove it in a hole, then you got the wrong message from me. Get it. I'm so glad you're here today. I pray today that we take from this an energized moment to say this is for real. I'm going to pray for you. Here's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that someone today, two people in the last service surrender their lives to Jesus because they realized that this was for real. I'm telling you this morning, if you don't know today, if you were to stand before God, if, if Jesus were to come back right now and you're not sure you'd get taken in the rapture, if, you, if it's imminent and it's returning and it's gonna happen, uh, uh, 1230, if it's gonna happen today, then, and you're not sure, let's settle that deal. Because I'm gonna tell you this, if you're left behind, pardon the pun, if you're left behind, th th this is bad and you're not gonna want this. If you wanna make sure that you can avoid this to go to that, then, then let's pray because we can settle that deal right now. We can make sure that you die today, you're gonna go to heaven. I can tell you exactly what the Bible says about that. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that the prevailing message of the book of Revelation isn't about how mad you are. It literally is how much you love us. 
God, I pray that if these men and women listen to us online or listen to us here, God, that there's, they're compelled to want to know you and to share you with the lost people. God, I know there are people in the sound of my voice who've never surrendered their life to you. I gotta believe that there are people who have heard this message, but they've never surrendered their lives to it. If that's you today and you know in your head that Jesus is Lord, you know that Jesus is who he said he was, but you've never really surrendered your life to know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. If that's you, will you just lift your hand up like you mean it today? I'm looking around. Lift your hand. I surrender. I see a couple of you. Who else? I surrender my life to Jesus today. You want to go to heaven. You want to make sure that job gets done. Who else? Awesome. You can put your hands down. Good job. Three of you. Can we all just pray together as a church? Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Oh, come on now. Say it like you mean it. Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. Body, soul, and spirit. Give me your beauty for all of my ashes. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I would have new life in you. Take away my sin and throw it as far as the east is from the west. Give me new life in Christ. Give me hope for my future. In Jesus' name, amen.